We're looking at verse 4 here in chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. And again, we're spending a lot of time talking about this because the Bible has a lot to say about it. And I, I would like to take the time to, um, to, to cover what, what the Bible says. We need, to have a, we need to have a proper understanding of what, Paul's, what the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul here. In verse 4, he says, You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Simply put, there is, there in verse 4, there, there is two, um, there's two proximities there in relationship to God that Paul mentions. And simply put, to be in Christ is to be in the grace of God. Okay? To be in Christ is to be in the presence of God, inside of His grace. And if you're not standing in that point, Wherever you are, you are in a lesser place, a lower place. Okay? You are not you are not close to God. You are not in his presence. And that can take and what we're going to talk about this morning is that can take one of two or three places. You have, and and we're gonna we're gonna look uh, in particular a lot of what the Hebrew writer has to say about this. The the narrow application here in Galatians chapter five is is that the folks here, uh, you got two groups of people, the Judaizers who are trying to influence the Gentiles, that they need to uh, become observant to the law of Moses in the way that they see is necessary. In other words, what we find is is that these people are not really preaching the law as it was given from God for the intents and purposes that God gave it. Really what's happening is, is they want these Gentiles to be observant to the law of Moses as they see it. And they want them to become like them and then they can be saved. Then they can be a Christian. This is something in their own mind. This is something that that, uh, that they're not motivated by brotherly love. They're not motivated by concern for for someone's spiritual welfare. Uh, They're motivated for other reasons. But the point is, however they're motivated, they're wrong. Okay? And... This error has caused them to to put themselves in a situation and cause them to influence others to be in a situation where they are in danger of being outside of the grace of God. Okay? In this case, it's about, I think there's another way to 
to achieve the same outcome. In other words, what they're telling these, what these Judaizers are telling these Gentiles is, is that you need to do what we say, but the end game is the same. Okay? They are teaching them in such a way as to, uh, in, to suggest to them that if you do what we're saying, you will enjoy the grace of God. And that's wrong. Paul is saying you're wrong. There is no other way to be inside of the grace of God except by the way prescribed by Jesus Christ Himself. But that is precisely what's happening here. They are being told that you can have forgiveness, you can have uh, community and fellowship with God and His family according to what we are telling you to do. And the end result will be the same. But that's not the case. John chapter 14, Jesus says that I am the way, I am the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And when Jesus says no one comes to the Father except by me, the point being is is that only Jesus can set forth the terms that provide for our redemption and for our adoption into God's family. Remember what we read there in Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 4. talking about is being separated from Christ, because that's the term he uses there in verse 4, or is severed from Christ. And to be severed from Christ, to be cut away from him, uh, is to go to a lower position, to fall. If you are in Christ, you are in the highest place you can be. Okay? So there's nowhere to go but down. Okay? There's nowhere to go but down. So why would you want to do that? So this this falling away that Paul is talking about in this case, in this particular situation, would be to choose or try to find some other way to God other than Jesus Christ. Or to provide for some other means for your justification other than Jesus Christ. And it's not possible. Okay? So there's, there's, the, there's the first falling away. 
the other fallen or another example would be the hardening and deceitfulness of sin. Okay? To be entangled in sin so as to have your heart completely hardened against repentance. Okay? This is also a possible this is also possible. It's not something that's talked about a lot. Okay? But we're going to talk about it. And that, so that's that's the, the second falling away that we're going to talk about. Uh, an exa- but just, you know, as an example, um, the Hebrew writer will talk about our observation of the sacrifice of Jesus and to trample underfoot the blood of the covenant. Okay? And a disregard for the sacrifice of Jesus. Paul would say something similar in Romans chapter 6. He would say, Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? May it never be. We have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Okay? This would be a disregard for the grace of God in that in that we look at God's grace as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Okay? I can do whatever I want to. I've, I've got this. I've got this backup. Okay? The... To blaspheme the the Holy Spirit would be to disregard the testimony of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus Jesus, uh, encountered uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, and He would perform a miracle, the miracle itself is what? It's a testimony by the Holy Spirit that the things that Jesus said are true. The miracles performed by Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, God had given him the Spirit without measure. And to disregard that as something other than the working of God would be to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, to disregard the testimony, the clear evidence, the testimony. If Jesus says, I'm the Son of God, and then he performs some miracle that substantiates what he says... To disregard that as something less would be to blaspheme or disregard the testimony of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that I am the Son of God. And you are disregarding that. And if you disregard the fact that I'm the Son of God, then you don't have any hope. If you disregard that I am that I am the Son of God, just be, be Jesus then you don't you don't have any hope because I am the only hope. <clears throat> Would be the same thing. The same thing. That's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you you completely deny the 
the, you know, and there's no coming back from it. The Hebrew writer says that the sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. So to disregard the Word of God is to disregard the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And thus to blaspheme against it. You don't have you don't have that you don't have the same that's what we're going to talk about here in a minute. This falling away, I want to make this clear. This falling away is not the same thing as the child of God who is struggling against the flesh and is in the process, Galatians chapter 3, of crucifying the flesh. That's not something that just happens. Okay? As we come into Christ and as we grow in Christ, as we grow in the knowledge of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's what Peter wrote, this is the sanctification by the Holy Spirit. The indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit is our aid in the mortification of the flesh. We are learning, we are growing to put aside the deeds of the flesh. And we struggle against that. But that maturation process includes that struggle against the flesh. We struggle with sin. We are, we, we are trying to put it aside. Okay? And in the process of that, we stumble, we fail, we sin. But when we do that, we have an advocate. And the Hebrew writer says that we can enter into the presence of God with the blood of the sacrifice. Why is it that the folks brought sacrifices every year? Because they struggled with sin. Okay? And they needed to bring the sacrifice every year. But in our struggle with the flesh, as we grow and mature and we learn uh, and become more pleasing to God... Our continual repentance causes us to bring the blood of the sacrifice, the blood of the covenant, the blood of Jesus into the presence of God for our sacrifice. Hang on just one second. Every day I need to bring the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus. I need that because I struggle with the flesh. I make mistakes. I sin. But I do not disregard the sacrifice. Repentance causes me to bring that that sacrifice off. I come and I bring I ask I ask for that cleansing. I ask for the blood of Jesus. Okay? It's precisely why Jesus, when the disciples asked him, If my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? And what did Jesus tell him? If your brother sins against you again and he again he repents, then you must forgive him. Where did Jesus get that? Where did he get that? Because that's what God does. But he does it for the one who brings the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. So what I'm suggesting is, what I'm saying is, is this falling away is not 
the Christian who is struggling with sin and trying to put that, to crucify the flesh. We're not talking about the Christian who sins, okay, but is repentant and brings the blood of Jesus. We are talking about those who have disregarded the sacrifice, the blood of, who are who are not who are not uh, coming into the presence of God with that sacrifice. We are talking about the unrepentant, and we're talking about those who uh, we are talking about those to whom their heart has been hardened, so that repentance is not alive in them. Okay. We're also talking about those who cheapen the grace of God by excusing their own behavior instead of recognizing their behavior and, and coming and asking for the cleansing in, in Jesus. Okay? Are, are we kind of all on the same page there? Because we're going to dive into You're going to say something. Go ahead. And, and, and being being the the perfect sacrifice means that his sacrifice for us, the benefits of that sacrifice are perpetual. Right. The benefit of Christ's sacrifice is perpetual. Hmm? There's nothing better. Either Christ is your sacrifice or He's not. <clears throat> there is no other way that results in the same benefit. And here in Galatians chapter 5, the problem is, is that uh, here's the gospel that's been preached but there's another group thing out there. Yes, we can. We there, but here's another way that's going to result in the same benefit, and there's not. So hold Galatians chapter five, and let's go to Hebrews chapter ten. Hebrews chapter ten, starting in verse nineteen. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to kind of break down what the Hebrew writer is saying. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, we're going to talk about that in just a second, by a new and living way, 
which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? Now, who's he talking about there? He's talking about someone who at some point has been a benefit or has been a beneficiary of the sacrifice of Jesus. He's insulted the Spirit is what he said there. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, if you'll notice there, uh, in verse 19, that if we have the blood of Jesus, if it is ours to bring before God, then we have confidence. You notice that there in verse 19? We have confidence... To come into the holy place. The holy place there being what? The presence of God. Okay. And if I have, if I am a recipient, if I have the blessing of the blood of Jesus, then I can come into the presence of God with confidence. That doesn't mean that I can't, I don't need to come reverently or in a humble spirit, but I can come. Okay? The blood of Jesus is our entrance into the presence of God. And it's a new and living way, he says there in verse 20. A new and living way. In other words, the old is gone. And what we're going to see is the distinction to be, uh, to be made between the old and the new is the fact that Jesus, this more perfect sacrifice, the blessings of that sacrifice are perpetual. Another sacrifice does not have to be made. Because Christ's sacrifice was made and the blessings of it, the benefits of it, are ongoing. Okay? And isn't that good? 
because I'm going to need it. I need it today and I'm going to need it tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow I'm going to say something I shouldn't say, I'm going to think something I shouldn't think, and I'm going to do something I shouldn't do. I don't like that. It already upsets me. It, It upsets me that I know that about myself. But I'm struggling against it. I'm trying to do away with those things. What did we call that earlier in our study? When I'm trying to put aside the deeds of the flesh, what, what do we call that process? It's the sanctification by the Holy Spirit. Okay? But in the process of that, I'm going to sin. Okay? Because if it, I wouldn't sin if it wasn't a struggle. But the New Testament clearly states that to put aside the deeds of the flesh is a struggle. Okay? But because it is that, I have an advocate before the Father perpetually. Okay? Read First John when you have a minute. Okay, so I need that. But his sacrifice is good from now on. Okay? And the blessings of that sacrifice are perpetual. It's a new and living way. The old way, the benefits of the old way were not thus. Okay? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So going back to Hebrews chapter 10, we have the blood of Jesus and that benefit means that we can be in the holy place. We can be in the presence of God and according to verse uh, 20, we can draw near. Verse 22. And he's going to remind them to hold... The Hebrew writer reminds them in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23... To hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, God is not going to go back on his word. Okay? Dale, if you have the benefit of Christ's sacrifice, the perpetual benefit of Christ's sacrifice, and you come into his presence bringing that blood, offering it up to God, and saying, I need, once again, I need the benefit of this blood, he's going to do what? He's going to, he's going to do what he said he'd do. That's what he says right there. He says, 
in verse 23 that God is faithful. When we bring the blood of Jesus into the most holy, when we come into God's presence with the blood of Jesus, God is going to keep His word. And that's good news for somebody like me who needs who needs that. Yeah. Right. And our our for lack of a better phrase our end of that bargain is the repentant heart that comes into the presence of God with the blood of Jesus. Isn't that what God wants? God desires what? A broken and contrite heart. And when that is uh, when that is evident in us, God keeps His word, doesn't He? Right now, I can tell you that I don't like sin. I don't want to sin. I do not like sin in my life. I don't like the presence of it. I don't like the fact that I'm prone to sin. It disturbs me. But you know what's going to happen? It's going to happen. But the good news is is that I have the benefits of the sacrifice of Jesus. The distinction to be made is to someone who doesn't who doesn't who is not upset, who is not angry about the presence of sin or that the fact that they're prone to sin, they accept that and say, Well, I'm just I'm just gonna do I'm just I, it's just inevitable, but I'll I'll just ask God to forgive me and, and that's the distinction to be made is the attitude. It's, the, it's you know, a, someone, the Christian that's being sanctified by the Holy Spirit is repulsed by sin in their life or they're repulsed when they see sin in their life and they're repulsed by the fact that they're prone to sin. We'll pick up there next time.